welcome to Meet's new podcast, Affected. For those of you who don't know Meet, we're a global life sciences recruitment company. We've been connecting the industry for over 12 years and now we want to share some of our insights and experiences with you. We'll be hosting monthly episodes sharing thoughts from leaders in our business about recruiting into life sciences and giving our network a platform to share their own experiences of building successful careers in an industry that affects us all. Hi, my name is Mike Newman. I'm the SVP for the West Coast Business for Meat. Um, I'm joined today by my counterpart, Nick Antonelli, our Associate Director for European Life Sciences Business over in London. We wanted to chat today about the pandemic um, and everything associated with the pandemic as far as recruiting at Meat and the life sciences industry. So Nick, welcome. Cheers, Mike. Good to be here. Thanks for joining me. Um, so I wanted to kick off with um, really what what life has been like uh, over, well, the last 18 months, 20 months. From my side, I don't think I've seen the life sciences industry as buoyant from a recruiting standpoint as it has been since March last year, um, specifically for our clients in California. How has it been for you over in, in Europe? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, absolutely buoyant I don't think anyone can deny just how busy the markets are I think we've probably had a, a slightly different experience than you it's probably probably July August until it started to pick up we probably had a couple of quieter months from from March through to to July um, is that not kind of what you experienced within the, the west coast yeah I, th I think when it first all kicked off um, immediately there was a lot of panic a lot of slowing down um i think we definitely saw that time frame of march april may even of it being quite slow i think some of our big big clients our biotech clients on the west coast were hoping planning that actually um covid would be you know stopped and and we'd get on top of it fairly quickly so actually we saw smaller businesses moving very, very quickly, moving everything to virtual, virtual interviewing, um, virtual onboarding. We saw some of our bigger clients that we'd worked with for a lot longer actually almost kind of sit and wait, sit and wait to see if, if they would be able to um, get back to doing everything in person. Um, and actually, it's those that slowed down that definitely suffered, for sure. Did you see um, a similar trend with people hoping that, it would move away quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, I remember, what was it? It was March 16th. It's like a date that's fully ingrained on my, my mind when the, the UK went into formal lockdown, when Boris Johnson came on to the, the TV and said, everyone must work from home. Um, I think, in short, probably most people just panicked, for want of a better word, because we, it was, we didn't know what the future held. I remember saying goodbye to colleagues in the office, thinking we'd be back within two weeks. Um, quite naively in, in hindsight, but there, there was certainly some, some of our clients that I think no doubt had the same thought process as I did and thought, well, this might be short-lived, so let's just sit and wait it out. So there was probably a couple of months where I guess it was just a little bit of confusion is probably the best way to, to describe it in terms of what does the future hold and, and what do we need to do? And I think if you look at our our job flow, for example, if you look at the, the job inbound job numbers for, for March, April, May, I think they were they were probably at an all-time low for us. And I don't think it was because the demand wasn't there. I think it was because there was absolute confusion in terms of how to complete an interview process. We'd grown up in a world where, despite all the technology that surrounds us, we were so used to 
going on site, meeting people face to face, shaking hands. Um, and that was suddenly taken away. And I think that was probably the biggest challenge is clients had to figure out if they implement new processes, because the two schools of thought was let's sit and wait and out and then we can kick things off when the world goes back to normal. Um, yeah. Whereas absolutely, you said the companies that were quite quick to react and went on to fully remote online interviews processes, um, used technology and implemented that within their businesses. They're the ones that, to be quite blunt, managed to pick up the talent quickest and, and, and yeah. certainly seem to have, have had really exciting growth profiles throughout the, the, the past two years since, since COVID hit. Yeah, no, that's interesting. It's it's actually quite funny you say that because now when I think back, the, um, the the companies that were slower were certainly from our side, you know, in the Bay Area, were the companies that are 500,000 people, right? So a mid-sized company, but they're also the companies who are who were much more, um, well, they, their capability to actually host the process virtually was already there. You know, the, the WebEx, the Cisco stuff, you know, the conference suites, when actually, I mean, even to this day now, what are we like, again, 20 odd months past it, we are still using our Zoom conferencing suite for many, many, many of our real launch stealth startup clients who just haven't invested in even just such a thing as a basic Zoom account. You know, I, I regularly see emails on my account for clients logging into a Zoom call and I'm thinking, am I meant to be on something? But it's it's not, it's the interview processes that are still happening. So it's actually when you think back, ironic that those who were who were certainly ready to to tackle virtual interviewing were the ones that were most resistant to it. And even, you know, going beyond that, they were also the ones who were probably putting in, you know, many, many, many Zoom meetings. Um, you know, a panel that might be one event one afternoon uh, turned into you know eight nine ten zoom calls spread over the course of a week um, you know we've got another zoom call we've got another person to speak to you know these really elongated interview processes that that just seem to go on and on and on and I think that you know the, the our clients are trying to encapture as much information as they can from the virtual setting which is understandable but we definitely saw that slow down with certainly the bigger businesses do you, does um, the the smaller businesses that you work with, um, did you find that they continue to, or do you find they continue to move uh, fairly quickly now, or or as we're coming yeah. into this next phase, are, are things changing? I think it's been a bit of a, a learning curve and a bit of a journey. I think if you look at the trends, they've they've probably shifted in terms of processes, the way they operate, the the trends that we've seen within that, and how companies have adapted. I think. If I, it's a very similar experience to what, what you've just highlighted is when, when video interviewing first came to the fore, I think everyone thought it'd be really easy, but didn't, didn't think about the fact if you've got seven or eight stakeholders involved in a decision process, normally you can, you can cover that all off in one on-site meeting and what is perceived by a candidate to be a one, maybe two stage interview process as a fairly streamlined um, interview to run through suddenly turned into seven or eight separate individual meetings. And there was definitely a bit of an education from clients' perception in terms of, well, this is what we've always done. We're just moving it online to make it more accessible. And candidates' perception suddenly thinking, 
how many stakeholders do I need to engage with? And we, we were probably a little bit um, shocked, I guess, in terms of how much of a challenge that potentially created. And certainly internally, we had to start educating not only clients, but candidates as well in terms of how to, what to expect when going into this interview process. It's new for everyone. It's not just the clients that are, are experiencing something new. Candidates are suddenly having to, to be confident going into interviews, having ne- never met someone face to face, having never been on, on site. And having to get used to the fact that they might have to go through seven zoom calls over the course of five evenings. And it was, yeah, I, I suppose it was a challenge for everyone. And that was probably where the biggest gap came because if you think about demand, I don't think the demand ever slowed down. It was more just people finding their way in terms of how best to approach and how best to overcome some of the challenges that were presented to us. And it's, it's not just interviewing. I, I, I think a lot of the, the conversations I had, back in March, April, May time in, in 20, 2019 now, um, wasn't the interview, it was the onboarding. Companies mm-hmm. had never remotely onboarded someone. And if you think about the amount of time and investment that goes into creating quite comprehensive onboarding programs, whether that be inductions into various different cross-functional teams, whether it be the learning and development programs that they put people through, suddenly that was taking away because we were so used to doing that face-to-face and having people been on site. And yeah, absolutely. We had some clients who had been so used to onboarding people remotely that for them, it didn't phase them for other clients. It was, it was almost learning from the bottom up again. And it's, it's those types of challenges. I don't think anyone could quite anticipate how, how complex some of these recruitment issues would, would present themselves. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Did I mean, so obviously we're a global life sciences business, we focus not just in biotech, but we also work with medical technology companies, devices, mm. digital health, comms, etc. Did you see a difference between the various different sectors? You know, obviously comms that I did a lot of work in in, in the UK is very sociable, very um, personal recruiting style versus maybe some of the other um, verticals that operate slightly differently would you say that it was different for each and every vertical yeah absolutely and I think it's not just the verticals but it's the the company profiles within that because Mm. you look at medical technology for example that is such a a broad industry and you've got multinational global corporates through to two-man startup organizations where it's entrepreneurial businesses trying to look bring products to market um and there's so many different variations to how, how companies kind of approached it and tackled it. If you look at the medical communication sector, for example, that is such a personable industry. That is uh, an industry that is about creative minds coming together, creating marketing, PR, advertising. And they were so used to, you just need to look at the office spaces that they create and invest so heavily in, that yeah. it was a huge culture shock for them to go into a remote world. But I think what's been probably most most rewarding for those types of companies is they've, they've realized there's another way of doing it. And for companies that are perhaps not stuck in their ways, but going down a certain path, they've, they've realized that actually by offering a little bit more flexibility, by being a little bit more flexible in terms of the way they carry out an interview process and the way they engage with, with potential candidates has opened up a whole new portfolio of candidates for them to target and engage with, which would previously limit them. So it's, it's, it's both been challenging, but also really rewarding in, in many ways. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Are, are the, the differences for us on the West coast, obviously we have a business now that 
you know, is quite cleanly split between servicing our biotech clients and then servicing our, our devices clients. And I think, again, if I think back to, you know, the kind of this, the second stage of the COVID period for us, which was coming into the second half of the year, we saw our, our biotech clients, our biotech business, where all of them had adopted virtual onboarding. Obviously, Bay Area effectively had no one going into public spaces for the best part of the entire year. Because you were really um, heavily impacted by that in the Bay Area, weren't you? And that's what was so fascinating yeah. is different parts of the world, their yeah. approach to COVID and how it impacted. I remember me and you having video meetings where San Francisco was just, there was just no light at the end of the tunnel in, in many ways. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think, you know, that's obviously something that we've had as a business have had to manage. Um, you know, I'm in San Diego now and, there's not a mask in sight and I'll be in San Francisco this afternoon and I'll have a mask on for pretty much the entire time until I get home. It's, it's very, very different. And, you know, our clients have had to adapt to that. Um, and I think going back to that period when the biotech clients that we work with had all adopted the process, they were speed, starting to speed things up. Um, our, our business was able to continue growing. We continued to, you know, add headcount to, our, to the business because the need was going through the roof. And to be fair, that hasn't stopped even now. You know, the need is still going that way. What, what we saw a noticeable difference in was on our devices business. Um, and I think in the main where we support companies uh, in the space of, of R&D engineering, let's say to keep it, it simple, um, the need for engineers to be on site, uh, the need for engineers to be there with the product testing, um, it just seemed to have a massive impact on us. Um, I think that was very much what was happening in the industry. So as things started to open up, you know, as local guidelines started to ease, we've seen the, the devices business now really picking up pace. I would say Q4 last year, all the way through to now, we've been really consistent there. It's enabled us to grow, enabled us to build a new a medical tech team down here in San Diego, which is exciting. But I think one of the the, the um, notions, one of the themes that's come up, actually, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, is the flexibility of clients um, now when they're looking at candidates versus maybe what we saw pre-COVID. And 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 I think what we've what we've seen. Um, let's give a really clean example. You know, a lot of people don't like people looking for a job after 12 months okay rightly or wrongly you know there's this stigma that it's just the wrong thing to do whereas actually now that would be something that hiring managers are happy to overlook you know they recognize that there's a competition for talent um, and we see that a lot we will now see a, a client that we sign at the beginning of the month and we will quite easily fill five of their hot hot positions across various verticals and in the main, I would say the biggest influ biggest factor there is their flexibility. So do you see, have you seen any of those trends in Europe? Yeah, 100%. I think specifically when, when looking at, at 2021 as a year, I think at the start of the year, everyone was still a little bit unsure in terms of just how buoyant the market was going to be. And let's, let's be honest, we're, we're in the life sciences sector, which has been so highly regarded the amount of positive press the amount of investment the amount of um entrepreneurial spirit and collaboration that's taken place over the past two years makes it a really a really exciting area and, and, and one to be really proud of and the fact that we work within that but that's created positivity momentum but it still had loads of doubt you just need to look at the number of clinical trials that were paused throughout covid and how that slowed down but 
what was always going to happen and what we anticipated to happen was that bag clock was going to have to catch up with himself at some point. And that's when we saw the boom really start to hit. And mm. I remember January, February, we were talking to clients about this continuously in terms of the demand is increasing dramatically, which shifts the dynamic from being a really, really job driven market, at which point clients have the choice to pick and choose from candidates that they engage with to becoming a really, really candidate driven market where pretty much every candidate we engage with will have three or four ongoing mm. applications or offers on the go at any given moment. And that's where I think clients have had to realize that it's a supply and demand issue ultimately if if clients want to grow and scale at the rate they have been if they want to service the demand and bring the skill sets on board they've had to show flexibility somewhere and I think there's a number of ways you can do that I think people naturally talk to, to salary increases and think can we just throw more money at the problem and and help to solve it and, and absolutely I'm sure some companies have done that and done it really successfully others mm. have looked at their their long-term flexibility processes in terms of are we going to move into a fully remote working model so we we can capture people from a much broader geography. Other companies, have you said, have looked at things where they perhaps previously used to reject candidates based on tenure, whereas they've shown more flexibility. We've seen people who've uh, traditionally had contracting backgrounds, for example, where clients would normally not look at them for permanent positions, lower that, that expectation a little bit. And I think it all, all builds down to just how de um, much demand has been within the life sciences sector for the past, what, 15, 16 months, and clients have started to realize if they're going to sit, hit their business objectives, if they're going to achieve their strategic goals, they need to bring talent on board. And, and it's about understanding where they're willing to compromise. And that's, that's something we try and do a lot with clients is understand where are they willing to show flexibility, because there's not one size fits all. And it's not the same strategy that I'd recommend every client take on board. It depends on where you are in terms of your key milestones of the business, where you are in terms of the technology that you've got implemented, how confident are you in terms of your, your L&D and your onboarding programs, because mm -hmm. all of those things are things, are factors that we need to take into consideration when figuring out what is the best approach to help you find talent in what is a hugely hugely competitive market at the moment mm. do, do your clients ask you to do anything above and beyond at, at this point in time I think, um, I mean, yeah i mean when, when you say above and beyond i think it's something that meat has always tried to do um for, for, for myself, the, the best relationships I have with my clients are ones where it genuinely feels like a partnership. So it's much more than just, just delivering CVs, but it's, it's keeping them up to date in terms of mm. what are the market trends? How is the market shifting? If I... If I refer back to when when clients and were, were struggling to understand how to run remote onboarding programs, I remember doing a lot of work with key stakeholders, giving advice, guidance, similar things that we were going through. If we wanted to continue growing, we need to develop onboarding programs. And we gave advice on sort of the, the technologies to use, the processes to implement and, and gave them just general advice, which they can lean on us for, because what you've suddenly realized is it doesn't matter what area you work in, what industry you specialize within everyone's had exactly the same challenges over the past two years. We've all got so much more information to share. And I think some of the most rewarding partnerships have been the ones where we have been able to lean on each other a little bit more and go above and beyond as to just delivering CVs and just delivering mm -hmm. candidates, but actually to talk through how to win, how to win in a really competitive landscape and how to make sure that you're bringing on the best talent. And that's something I'd like to say we've got, we've got quite good at. I think we can understand how to implement really successful recruitment strategies and how to advise clients to, to create a bit of a competitive edge. Um, 
And that's something we love to do is go out and engage with our clients and talk to them about where we're best placed to support. So, so much more so than just delivering CVs and delivering candidates, but actually creating long-term recruitment strategies that allow them to continue growing because I can't see the demand changing anytime soon. So it will be the clients on the forefront of this that I think will be the most successful. Yeah, no, it's, I, I agree with you. I don't, I can't see, there's no obvious signs in the market yet that things are going to start slowing down outside of, you know, some of the cyclical things that we see obviously here in the U S um, it's veterans day today, there's Thanksgiving coming up. So, you, you know, the holiday period starts to add a level of complexity to it. Um, and obviously same thing in, in Europe and, and obviously Berlin as well. And all the differences and, and that you look, have to people manage. People will be desperate for a break as well. That's the other thing. It's been so go, go, go. I think yeah. people will be away. They will, they will take breaks and, and you know, they yeah. probably deserve it in all honesty. Um, given the past couple of years, people have, have faced. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, we've, we've talked a lot about what it has been like, you know, during the COVID period in, in, in the various regions, but now, um, I mean, we talk about it like it's, it's, it's going away. I mean, it doesn't look like it's going away anytime yeah. soon, but at least we, we, the world is finding a way to, to live with the situation, um, which is encouraging. So now we have this um, situation whereby clients are adapting. Um, clients are looking to go back. Um, you know, on the West Coast, we definitely have um, trouble with clients who are looking to move people back into a five-day working week in office. And it is happening. We are seeing it. Um, we're definitely seeing clients completely um, wrapping their arms around remote working still. Uh, it's a really good point. And I think some companies have been really forward thinking and they've set their policy and set their stall out really, really early. Others, I think, are still in a massive holding pattern because we don't know what will happen. I think there's the there's a fear of what winter could bring. We just need to remember how how dire things got last winter, and there's 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 enough data to prove that that COVID is much more um, contagious, much more prevalent during during colder months. And I think that's why companies are still in a bit of a holding pattern. But what we've seen is the companies that are, are true to themselves, and it's not not for me to say whether. Companies want to bring people in to the office five days a week or whether they want to offer a hybrid model or go fully remote. It's the ambiguity that I think has probably caused the most confusion. And there's companies that are got a toe in either camp is probably the best way to describe it. And they're, they're the ones that are, are probably struggling to hire the most because again, it comes back to engaging with a recruitment partner that can then can support. And if we've got clients that set their stall out and say, you know, what, we need people who are 100% office based and committed to be in the office five yeah. days a week, that's absolutely fine. The expectation is it will rule out a huge majority of the candidates that have become so accustomed to flexibility. But it doesn't mean we can't support because we just tailor our search to identify those individuals. And there's enough individuals out there that prefer the social interaction of being in an office. And that's where a really strong recruitment partner can, can help you identify those types of people. On the flip side, companies that have set their stall out and says, we will offer 100% remote, remote working for the foreseeable are hi, uh, um, hiring loads of candidates because flexibility is the most important thing. Yeah. It's the ones that take candidates through the interview process thinking, yeah, I think we can offer flexibility, get towards the offer negotiation stage and say ah, two or three days in the office is probably going to be needed or we're going to need you on site mm -hmm. at least one week per month. They're the ones that I think are struggling because they're just not setting their stall out early enough. 
And that mm. creates ambiguity. And, mm. and in all honesty, ambiguity is probably the thing that creates the most pain. And if you look at when we went to remote interview processes, will they, won't they? It was the ambiguity that, that, that caused the most problem. When it was about remote onboarding, will you, won't you? It's, it, that, that's what causes the challenge. So I think mm. it's companies that can set their stall out and talk really clearly about what their vision is, what their plans are that allows a recruitment partner like Meet, for example, to go out and engage with the candidates that are going to be best suited to that business. Yeah, sure. I, I definitely feel our experience um, very much so, certainly of Bay Area clients, is that I think the Bay Area generally, and I think there's like nine counties that are kind of land in the Bay Area, but yeah. it's like you say, it's been, it had a very um, cautious approach to the entire thing. You know, we are November now. It's only actually was the middle of October that we could have people in our office without a mask on. Um, and naturally, we are, you know, a, a business where people are on the phone all day long, a lot of talking, you know, the masks weren't very friendly for that kind of behavior. So we naturally just didn't have people in the office. So it's only now that that's starting to change. So I think if you think from our, our client standpoint, they've had to adopt um, a very um, specific format is very specific they've had to adapt a very specific way of working which now they're trying to change but the local guidelines don't necessarily allow that change to happen as, as they might may want so yeah. we so therefore we still have clients who um are, are are trying to be really cautious but they're wanting to go back into the office and they're not quite on the same page yet. So like you say, a lot of this comes out in interview, things change. You know, we have, we have some clients also who very candidly have said they will allow other big businesses to kind of trial and error plans yeah. before asking their staff to come back, see what works, see what doesn't work. And we've got a few clients who keep pushing out their start date, January, February, March of when they're going to ask people to come back because they're buying time, because they're not necessarily seeing a format work or a communication plan work which which I thought was quite interesting and it's the same thing for us internally right you know on a global level we're talking about how are we adopting a policy that works in just regions or globally what are we expecting what do we want um, obviously we're talking about learning by osmosis as 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 this thing now that you know we which is the reason we want people to come in to the office as and when on, on this hybrid model, but that's even taken a bit of time to get used to and to kind of see what works and what doesn't work. It's interesting. So we, um, obviously we talk about this quite a lot and I, this learning by osmosis thing is so important. I remember when, I don't know, was it nine years ago I joined and you were, you were one of the senior people in the office, probably one of the louder voices in the office at the time. But I remember just picking up cues on what you were saying, the way you engage with clients, the way you engage with candidates and the confidence that allowed me to build in myself to go and try and develop my own style. But by, by cherry picking things I heard, I think it's really, really important. And it's the learning and development piece that I think companies really need to think about. The other, the other thing I'd also say is in such a competitive landscape, I think it's almost got to be a little bit employee-led. Um, so I'd encourage all companies to go and survey their staff to understand what the what the feedback is from their current employees, because I can guarantee you if you try and go too far one way, you'll risk uh, retention becoming a huge, yeah. huge problem for you. Because if you're not willing to offer what someone needs 
and I mean this both ways. Okay, some people need office. Some people need office time. Um, they need a social environment. They need on hands uh, support. Yeah. Other people need complete flexibility. I think unless you survey your staff, take feedback, and make informed decisions based on the information you gather, I think it's potentially a really, really risky route to go down because. If you're not offering it, someone else will. And that's something that we're seeing happen far too often, unfortunately. Um, and interestingly, it's often the case when it's only when someone's got an offer and they go in hand in their notice that companies realise that they're unhappy and, and try and chase their tail by delivering counter offers and, and, and trying to save save the problem. But, but ultimately, if you were on the front foot, if you address the issues early, which we all know are there, um, I think you could you could you could save yourself a lot of problems. Yeah. Okay. So I think I think we're kind of looking to to close this out now i think you know we've spoken about what it was like before what it's like now do you, i suppose to, to kind of summarize how the world is from from your side at the moment what what do you think is gonna what, what what's your opinion on what's going to happen next um I think technology is here to stay first and foremost i think companies that don't embrace technology to at least give them the option are going to really, really struggle. Um, and I think it's companies that offer flexibility in everything they do that are going to be the most successful in hiring the best talent. Because even internally within our staff, you talk about some people are so excited about being in the office all the time and developing their careers. Other people are really excited about the flexibility that we now offer our, our teams. And I think companies that can can show flexibility to adapt, which is probably the key word, are going to be the ones that that do well. Because the one thing I can't see changing in in the short term is is the demand slowing down. I think even even just looking at the past couple of months, our, our job orders, the number of new clients we're engaging with, is just mm. going through the roof. Um, the number of of candidates we're working with who've got multiple opportunities on the table is is quite startling and it's always a bit of a litmus test but when you see the level of counter offers that are being delivered to candidates on a daily basis. I mean, I, I, I'm used to counter offers having worked with the industry for, for nearly a decade, but some of the levels of counter offers that are being offered shows just how desperate people are, not only to hire staff, but to retain staff. So I think the demand's here to stay and it'll be the companies that, that show flexibility in process, flexibility in in offers, flexibility in in everything that they do. That will be the ones that are able to to hire in what is a really competitive uh, recruitment landscape. Okay, Nick. Well, look, thank you very much for joining me. Um, really appreciate the time. If you want to get hold of Nick or myself, uh, Mike at peoplewithchemistry.com, Nick at peoplewithchemistry.com. Feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, I think. There's some stuff here that you can click on um, and hopefully you'll join us for our next podcast in the series. Thank you very much. Cheers, Mike. Thanks for having us.